Welcome to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast. I take the sting out of divorce. This is your host, Emily Sanchez. Hey, y'all. How are you? Emily Sanchez here. Gosh, we've had some interesting things happen, haven't we? So today my podcast is about coronavirus and homeschool. Oh, my So this seems to be the worldwide issue. My family went to Rocky Point, Mexico for spring break, and I was without a phone for four days. And when we got back into the United States, it was amazing how much things had changed and how blown up things had become. You know, at the beginning of this outbreak, you had people who ran to get, you know, month's supply of food. And then you had people who didn't really mind at all and weren't worried or, you know, I think that people handle things differently and that's okay. But I think we've kind of joined this consensus where, of course, we don't want to spread it on to anyone else that might be more susceptible to having a hard time with it. And so that's the big issue is that containment and us not wanting to spread. We're we're not in fear or panic if we were to get it, I truly feel, but we just don't want it to spread to anyone else. But it's interesting how pervasive and it's everywhere in the news. We cannot get rid of that topic of coronavirus. And it seems to be even more now so that schools are canceled across the country, basically. And so we are in this containment phase. And (laughs) the moms at home and and even the people that don't have a job, um, gosh, it's like, wow, okay, we're close together. Some people are panicking, some people aren't. And again, We've got to be okay with how everybody else is handling it. We're totally different for some weird reason with me and a lot. I was talking to my a couple of my siblings. We handle things more or less pretty calmly. I don't know why. I don't know how we were taught, how we were raised. But in usual panic situations, we are pretty calm. I go ultra calm. It's almost like that fight, flight, or freeze. I kind of freeze, and that's not good either, but I've just been completely kind of introspective with this whole thing. I have, I think is a good thing, a radical acceptance. I just accept how things are, and I'm like, okay, how can I deal with this situation? So I'm kind of oddly calm. I think that if, you know, I was in the middle of warfare, I would be super calm about it. It's just kind of a weird thing. And then others have like severe anxiety. And so today I wanted to kind of address a couple of strategies around different issues with this from anxiety all the way through to what do we do with this homeschool thing to working mom situation and um, from that to in general 
how our children behave and a couple of things we can notice. So let's start with that anxiety side. Now, I went to the Robbins Madonna's Life Coach School and Madonna's, the half part, you know, Tony Robbins, of course, but Chloe Madonna's is a renowned doctor of psychology, family therapist, and she came up with uh, the pretend strategy. If she didn't come up with it, she is kind of the one that has really used it in her practices throughout the world. And what the pretend strategy is, is you're supposed to take a time during the day and set an appointment with yourself where that's where all of your anxiety can happen. That's where the worrying. You actually sit down in the same place every day at the same time and you get all those worry, <laughs> worrisome questions, all the concerns, and you can say it out loud. You can have a little interview with yourself or you can just sit there and worry about all those things. <laughs> I remember I was trying to lay down a few weeks ago, or no, a few days ago after we got home from our trip and I laid my head down and it was like coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. And that's like all I could think of. And I'm like, this is getting crazy. So take that moment, that time during your day. Let's say you're going to do it at 11 o'clock every day. Take 20 minutes. That seems long, right? But that will make it harder. And if you do that, it might make it disappear quicker. And then the rest of the day, you're supposed to put those thoughts out of your mind. Tell yourself, oh, I can save that for my appointment, right? So if you do that, what happens? Well, the brain gets used to you saying, oh, I'll think about that later. I'll think about that later. And then every day at your appointment time, you don't want to do it. It's not something that you're really looking forward to. It's a hassle. So if you truly do it, and she says to try to do it for two weeks, it will seriously, those huge worries that you had, they'll fall away because your brain does not want to think about them. Okay, it's easier not to. And I just think it's a really interesting strategy. It's helped me. It's helped a lot of my clients as well. And so give that a try, a pretend strategy. Hmm, interesting. So you're just pretending to have all the anxiety at that time, but you really are having it because you're driving those thoughts towards that anxiety piece. And then the rest of the time you're saying, get out the way. I can't think of you until tomorrow at 11 or whatever. Okay, so give that one a try. All right, so here we are. All right, there's no school, at least in Arizona, Utah, California, New York, I could go on and on. Okay, so, you know, people have complained so much about teachers and now look at us. <laughs> right? So now we are the teachers. I was texting my sister and I'm like, man, I really wish that the determined and motivated Emily could come out right now because I was not happy to hear that I was going to be this homeschool mom person, <laughs> that this was going to disrupt my life. I, I love my kids, you guys. But spending that amount of time and 
I'm not trained in the teaching of my children all day long, and I feel like they don't listen to me as it is. Um, so I like other people to teach them. Let's just put it that way. But I was telling her, I don't feel like my determined and motivated self is out. If my determined and motivated Emily is really out in the forefront, I can do anything. And I was joking because I was in the middle of a juice cleanse. Have you guys ever done that? Oh my gosh. So I did a three-day juice cleanse. I have to admit, I only lasted two and a half days. Those are hard, but I felt like after my vacation eating so poorly, I had to do it. And so I did feel better, but in the middle of it, I just like physically, it messed also with kind of my emotional side. So I was a little bit lower down. But once that was over and I was able to change my state and find that determinated, motivated self, guess what? I'm excited. I'm excited to get and move forward with my children and do my very, very best. I'm going all in, 100%. I'm putting my business totally second and I'm just going in full-fledged mom. So I'm excited. So let me tell you about some plans. The first thing you got to ask yourself is what are you good at? Okay, so I just admitted to you, I'm not the greatest at teaching my kids or reminding them or making them do chores, even though I do. I just feel like I'm not so good at it. So what parts am I good at? So I am good with music. I'm a piano teacher, pian pianist. I'm also good with PE. I play a lot of sports. Um, I love being outside hiking and sporty stuff. So I thought, let's kind of take those talents and make them shine. So I am going to be doing huge things with music and PE in my day. So I encourage you, what are you good at? Are you good at art? Are you good at the crafty? which is totally not what I'm good at. So <laughs> think about what you're most good at and make that shine forth. Make that be more of your focus these next few weeks, right? And then we're gonna take what we're not so good at and we're gonna copy other people. So this is the beautiful thing I've said before, that Google is now our mom, right? We ask Google everything. Google has the answers. And right now, my friends and I, it's almost too much. There's almost too many ideas coming out and tell me, you got to do this with your kids. And now this is a month-long Lego list project. And then you've got to do these science experiments. And then you got to do this and this and this. And oh my gosh, like it's too much. So, but I want to tell you just a few, just four okay, of the good ones that I have found. One is typing.com. It's totally free. It's more teaching your kids the digital world, typing, things that actually will really be beneficial to them in the world we live in now. Another one, Khan Academy. Wow, okay, this is amazing. It has everything. It has everything. And it's relatively um, not not so expensive. So go on Khan Academy, get each child their own little account, and it does age-appropriate things. And that's more of like full-fledged school curriculum. Okay, there's a Starfall that's better for younger kids. That's only $32 for the entire year. 
Um, there is also on YouTube, I love, my kids love directive drawing. They love it. There's a dad who goes on there with his son and daughter and they draw different things and he goes pretty slowly so that the kids can keep up and draw along. So that, those are just a few things. And not to mention, you know, when you start going through your day and picking it apart, you, do you have Disney Plus? I mean, everybody's got it now. They have National Geographic, everything, every fun thing. You could make your week a theme. You could do ocean, you know, one week. You could do dinosaur another week. You could do plants another week. And it's it's fun. Let's make this something fun and encouraging. But I do really, really encourage a structure, a schedule. Gosh, our kids love structure. They love schedules. That's where they flourish. So I just, there's so many different um, schedules out there that you can look at. I've seen some cool ones online. I just got one from my child's second grade teacher that said 8 o'clock, chores, get ready, 9 o'clock, math, 10 o'clock, play, 11 o'clock, reading, journaling, 12 o'clock, lunch, um, 1 o'clock, writing, uh, 2 o'clock, outdoors, and 3 o'clock, art. So just some fun little ideas. But I found a cool article about the importance of structure. I really like this website called The Bump. And I was just uh, poking around that website the other day and found, let's see, there's one, two, three, four things that they talk about with structure. And the number one thing is temperament. Routines and structure help create a calming atmosphere in your home. Of course, they won't guarantee your youngster will never throw a tantrum again. Wishful thinking, right? But the predictability and consistency of a daily schedule help young kids be less anxious. And I'll just plug in there, also teenagers. Seriously. Uh, if you don't think that routine doesn't help teenagers, you're mistaken. I'll tell you that right now. Because it does. So put a routine in there with your teenager too but make it be their choice sit down with them and say what do you want to do what do you want to do Do you want to try to keep up with your schedule you know where you have science and math and english and keep up with those times or do you want to sleep in you know let them make those decisions number two expectations when your toddler or preschooler adapts to a routine, he is actually in a better position to look forward to special non-scheduled events like a trip to the zoo or the park. Hmm, that's interesting. Number three, behavior. Self-discipline is one of the main advantages of establishing routines and a structured environment. Your child will be less li likely to throw a fit when you turn off the television or run the bath because she will already be expecting these things to happen. Whoa, that is big. If they know that math is coming at 11 o'clock, then they're going to complain about it less. They'll still complain probably, but it will be less. And then the last one is my favorite, ability to adapt. Having structure and routine also benefits your child because it teaches him how to adjust to his schedule. Adaptation is huge. And especially us co-parents out there, the single moms, the single dads with these kids, 
Oh, structure is so, so important. They've got to be able to adapt when they come back from dads or back from moms. And they're with you. We've all seen it. They need a little tweaking at first to kind of adapt to their situation. And a routine schedule really helps with that. I have, I have noticed that. Now, in my little schedule that I put, I'm putting a lot of time for outdoors. Outdoors. So here comes another article. I was reading, um, it's askthescientist.com. I love the outdoors. I, I think it's so important. They give 10, and I'm going to try to just kind of breeze through them quickly. Number one, relieve stress. You can imagine that. Number two, strengthen immunity. It says, a study published in 2010 evaluated the effect of forest bathing on immune function for a group of Japanese adults, a three-day trip to the forest increased the number of white blood cells in their blood. These levels of white blood cells stayed elevated for more than 30 days after their adventure in the woods. Interesting. Number three, it sharpens your focus. Number four, helps develop a healthier diet. Number five, it calms the mind. Wow. So I was reading my new favorite book, which is called The Self-Driven Child. You've got to get it. I'll probably do an entire podcast on it. But they talk about technology and how it can be good, but too much screen time is detrimental for our kids. And one thing it does say is when we get out in nature, it actually resets our frontal cortex of our brain. Interesting. So number five, calm the mind. Number six, aids in weight management. Number seven, better, betters your short-term memory. Number eight, it actually improves your vision. Number nine, fight nature deficit disorder. What in the crap is nature deficit disorder? Listen to this. So I just said computers, tablets, cell, you know, all the screen screens, it's just harmful. And it's keeping us from getting into nature. So playing outside encourages kids' creativity, builds their attention spans, increases their desire to explore. And the book, Last Child in the Woods, Saving Our Children from Nature Deficit Disorder by Richard Louvre outlines this growing pattern. Louvre coined the term nature deficit disorder to explain what happens when kids spend too much time indoors. Recent findings show children ages 8 to 18 spend more than six hours each day with electronic media. Ugh. A study published in 2002 found that eight-year-old children could better identify Pokemon characters than plants or animals in their neighborhoods. Ugh. So children who spend little time outside are at risk for developing chronic health problems. Diabetes, hypertension, obesity, depression, all those things. Oh, Now number 10, I like this one. It actually increases longevity. So a 2015 study followed 108,630 American women to determine the relationship between nature and longevity. Women who lived near, near parks, lawns, trees, and forests had significantly lower mortality than women living far from nature. The results held regardless of urban or rural settings. So interesting. 
So the longer life expectancy associated with living near vegetation could be caused by several factors like air quality is better, um, more frequent ec exercise, you know, you're more akin to get out there, more mental health. I mean, there's so many things, you guys. So you've got to put that on your list, this outdoor stuff. So important. Okay, so this is all for the mom that can be home, right? This is for those like me who are lucky enough to be able to be here with their children. Now, what about the working moms? What, what, what about the working dads who have, you know, the single dads who have kids? So we're in this situation where we've got to allow people to serve us. We've got to get our older kids out there to help us and good friends. So we've got good friends, family, older children, and technology. And we can still be as structured as possible to, to have our kids, you know, and our caregivers, whoever they may be, because I realize the preschools are closing. So we've got to be able to rely on people. Uh, when you limit someone's ability to serve you, you are also limiting their growth. That's a quote from me, you guys. Do you like it? <laughs> Let me say it again. When you limit someone's ability to serve you, you are also limiting their growth. So right now, let's all come together. Let's help each other. Let's be our best motivated, determined selves, right? And find people to help us. You can do it. I know you can. There's people out there that want to help. Um, the last little bit uh, is just some tidbits from hanging out with my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law is a behavioral health psychologist. And when my sister was in town, she was asking him for advice of her five-year-old. She just feels like her five-year-old's really acting out a lot. And in general, her kids, she's like, help me be a better mom, please. And he always gives really good advice. And what he said this time, I thought would be pertinent to share because we are all going to be in close proximity with our children and we're going to be seeing more of their best selves, right? <laughs> their tantrums and their breakdowns and, and their good sides. But we want to be able to know what to do and to recognize what maybe we can do in certain situations. So what he says is there's four reasons children act out or are repeating a harmful behavior. So for example, my daughter had a really bad biting problem. I was noticing she was just biting her older brother. She wouldn't bite her younger brother, but she was biting and just leaving marks and scratching him. And I'm like, this is getting out of control. Like, what am I going to do? She's really going to hurt him. So he says that there's four reasons that she's doing this. One of four. One, is it revenge? Two, is it lack of attention? Are they doing it for attention? Three, is it loss of control? Do they feel completely out of control? Number four, or is it a disability? Is there something, you know, that's not clicking in their brains, an actual disability of some sort? So we need to go through those four things when we see a problem occurring. And that helped me so much with my daughter. So I started to 
really watch her. And I noticed for her, it was revenge because I tried to give her more attention. I thought maybe it's lack of attention because she's the middle child, but it really wasn't that. I started to notice that she couldn't control herself when her brother teased her or sat on her or, or did something to provoke her. So from that point, when I was able to pinpoint that it was one of the four, that it was revenge, then I was able to, you know, um, pull in some more tools to help her. And when we actually had fun doing it. So we helped her manage her emotions. We helped her manage that revenge need to want to hit and to do alternate things. We talked about running away, coming and telling me. We actually role-played this. I got out puppets. <laughs> I mean, we did the whole thing. So if you can pinpoint what is the reason, then from that, you can put in strategies to help. All right, so I hope that that can help you. It really has helped me. I hope you can come up with a schedule. Single mamas, single papas, I hope that you can you know, call on people to help. Um, call me to help you. I'll, I'll help you figure it out. Let's get together. Just let me know. Email me at coachemilysanchez at gmail.com. Remember, we're all in this together. I love you out there. Keep calm. This too shall pass. I truly know that. All right. Make it a great day. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. Come on over and visit me at CoachEmilySanchez.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, make it a great day.